Uh, I also have the uh, privilege this morning of reading from God's Word. Um, it's a familiar passage probably for many of you from Isaiah 9. And if you have your Bible, you're more than welcome to get it out. I'm going to read from Isaiah 9, just two verses, um, verse 6 and verse 7. For some of you, this may not, this may be brand new, but I want all of us just to have an opportunity to take fresh eyes at this passage. It reads, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. It's been a great morning already, hasn't it? Oh my goodness. I love being with you guys on a Sunday morning and singing and just the prayers already. Dustin, God answered your prayer and that text came alive to me this morning as you read it. Thank you, brother. Um, just so good already. Would you open with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be there in just a little bit. And we're going to be in verses 8 to 14 this morning of Luke chapter 2. And I'd like to pray for us one more time here as we get going. Father, you know what distracted hearts that we have. Would you give us self-recollection? You know what hard, dead hearts we can have. Touch and awaken us this morning. You know how, even as we love you, we can resist your word, and our nature is reluctant to bow to your scepter. Therefore, O oh Father, show forth your power this morning. Send your spirit on high to work among us, to make our hearts submissive and open and ourselves capable of living in true union with you, our salvation. By your Spirit, help us to yield totally to your grace this morning. Yes, and very amen in Jesus' name. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, quote, that long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. One of those times was thousands of years ago, and the prophet's name was Moses. And the words that Moses spoke on God's behalf were a call for a wholehearted commitment from his children so that they might live long lives, that they would prosper and be fruitful and multiply. 
And it would take wholehearted commitment for all of those things to follow. Moses spoke God's words that we find in Deuteronomy 6. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances that Yahweh your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land that you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear Yahweh your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands that I'm giving you and your son and your grandson and their grandchildren all the way down to this day in 2023 so that you may have a long life. Listen. Hear. Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, he has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen. Hear, Israel. Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. Love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. So how was it that the worship gatherings of God's sons and his daughters began for thousands of years. How was each season marked? With one word, one command, one instruction. Hear. Shema. Hear. In his Advent narrative, Behold the Lamb of God, Russ Ramsey makes clear the connection between this word, Shema, hear, listen, and our worship, between that idea of hearing and the season of Advent that we are now in. Here's what he says. The call to worship, to hear, to shema, was not a detached decree to render affection to an unknown deity. The God who had called them was anything but detached. This command was a call to remember They were to rehearse in their minds and their hearts and their homes this story, their story. The story of how the maker of heaven and earth had called a people to himself and bound them to himself as their God. The people of Israel as representative for all of God's people for all times and places were to be a people of these commands and decrees and regulations and of this story. They were to post it everywhere. They were to nail it on the doorposts of their homes and on their gates so that they might remember it and all their comings and their goings. They were to bind it to their arms so that it would guide them in whatever work they were giving their hands to do. They were to lash it to their foreheads right between between their eyes so the story would be central to every conversation and every interaction that they were having. They were never to depart from the harmony of this story and statute. Never. It was how they were to live. They were to teach it to their families. 
They were to recount the wondrous deeds of the Almighty God, never stopping until the story was so ingrained in the minds and hearts of their children that they would be able to recount and tell the story to their children and then to their children. Hear, Shema, listen to the story. Of course, the story goes much farther back than Moses, doesn't it? And so does the hearing. You see, in the beginning, God said. He uttered words to be heard, words that called forth. Because speaking, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was day and night, evening and morning, days. God said, let there be an expanse and waters and the sky and a globe covered with water burst into reality. God said, let there be gatherings of water and earth and continents, plains, savannas, grasslands, deserts, tropics, mountains, and hills appeared. (laughs) Oceans and seas, lakes and rivers, streams and creeks or cricks, whichever you call them. Brooks and ponds burbled into existence at just his word. God said, let the earth sprout and vegetation, plants, fruit and grain, trees and jungles and forests exploded from the earth. God said, let the lights be in the expanse and the sun formed along with a trillion stars and galaxies and solar systems and planets. God said, let the waters swarm. And they did with living creatures, whales and sharks, sea lions and jellyfish, octopus and lobsters, a host innumerable. And God said, let the skies be filled and hawks and eagles and owls and robins and larks and cardinals and magpies and crows, a host innumerable were born and flew into the sky. And God said, let the land be filled. And immediately, livestock and creeping things and cow pies and beasts that roamed the earth materialized. And then God said, he said, let us, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us Make a man in our image after our likeness. And let's give them dominion over all the other, th- other things that we have spoken. And they will be rulers and kings. They will be fruitful and multiply. And they will fill this good earth that we have created. And they will enjoy friendship and rule with us. And male and female were created. The first son the first daughter, God's children, (laughs) his people. And God looked at it all and God said that this creation, this place, and this people that he had brought from nothing was what? It was good. It was very good. In fact, it was perfect. (laughs) It was complete. It was whole. It was lacking absolutely 
nothing. It was exactly the way that it was supposed to be. In the words of Alvin Plantiga, it was a rich state of affairs in which natural needs were satisfied and natural gifts were fruitfully employed by man and woman in the presence of their creator as he inspired joyful wonder within the Eden that he had brought to life, welcoming all creatures in whom he delights. It was the webbing together of God and humans and all creation in a state of universal and cosmic flourishing. It was, in a Hebrew word, shalom. It was, in a Greek word, erene. It was, in an English word, peace. Tim Mackey. The most basic meaning of shalom is to be complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps or missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces, but in a state of wholeness. The core idea is that that our lives are complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any one of those is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored. If we'll keep listening to the story, we discover that this is exactly what happened, right? Shalom broke down. Peace broke down. How? How did that happen? Well, there were other things that God had said to his first people. Here, Shema, Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree or you shall die. But they didn't listen. Well, actually, they did listen. It's just that they didn't listen to God because they heard another speaking and they listened to him. A fallen creature speaking lies, vandalizing shalom, fracturing erene, shattering peace. And when Adam listened to the Satan rather than God, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned, Romans 5 verse 12. And the man and the woman were therefore sent out of the garden, the place of shalom. They were evicted from the state of universal and cosmic flourishing. They were separated from their relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit into a now fallen and cursed and groaning under sin and death creation. And as representatives of all humanity which would follow after them, they thus became marked by both this experience of shalom and the curse of sin. And every person who has come from them, which is every person, carries both of those marks within them. You see, we have within us, all of us, the echoes of shalom. The writer to Ecclesiastes, of Ecclesiastes, says, he says it this way, that God has put eternity into man's heart. What does that mean? I think it means that in our hearts and, and therefore in the wholeness of us, 
there's this vivid recollection of the past. It's still marked in us. We know what it felt like to be in perfect shalom because it's in our DNA. We desperately desire life to be whole, to be restored. We desire to be whole. Don't we? Can we admit that? We're we're the stone that's got the cracks and the fissures in it, and, and we can see them. We're the wall that, that at times feels like there's a brick missing or the, or the mortar has started to crumble and, and fall away. And it's not just that, that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. It's that we're not the way that we're supposed to be. I look at myself and I see it. Every day, places that are off, darkness that remains. And when we feel that, we want it to change. And the biblical longing, the biblical word for that longing is peace. I want to be at peace. I just want to be whole. I want to be fixed. You see, the fundamental problem that stains and marks every single human since the first son and first daughter is the curse. The stain of sin and the presence of death are also a part of us, stamped on our souls and present at a cellular level from the moment that we are born in our bodies and our minds and our actions. There are tangible signs of our unpresentableness. We feel that in the presence of a holy and perfect God. So that it should be no surprise that we often think to ourselves or we say to others in a moment of vulnerability, I feel unworthy. Have you ever heard someone say that? I feel so inadequate. I feel unfit. I'm broken. And I look around and I see broken and hurting people. What are we going to do? I mean, how are we going to get whole? How can we be complete? Who can do that for us? Have you ever heard someone cry out, would someone help? This is the devastating turn in the story. We look around at creation, all of it, humans, the world, all of it, and we say, it's not good. It's not good. So wouldn't it be wonderful to get back to the beginning of the story? (laughs) I mean, isn't that the echo of shalom? Isn't that we all, like, wouldn't it be great to be, like when you read Genesis 1 through 3 and you see them in the garden there before the Satan comes in, that's what we want, right? To walk with God in the cool of the day, in fellowship with him. No sin, no wrong, whole, complete, flourishing. Who wants that? (laughs) I want that. Well, enter Christmas. A time when we hear, listen to, and remember the story of the possibility of a peace like this flooding the world again. Flooding our hearts and minds and lives. 
But here's the thing. This will not happen in our own power. You see, broken people cannot make themselves whole as much as we try. Who has tried? (laughs) Oh my goodness, I've tried so hard. We see people try so hard to fix the brokenness, pursue so many things, so many plans and programs. Tim Keller. Ordinarily, Christmas is seen as meaning, you get this on TV shows, store ads, and so on. It's seen as meaning that if we really work hard, we can make the world a better place. That's the meaning of Christmas. If we hold hands, breathe in unison. If we really get it together, we can make the world a better place. Keller goes on to recall a remarkably powerful moment in, in my generation. Maybe some of you will remember this when musicians sought to make a difference in the world. It was a concert and a song. The concert was Live Aid. Is this coming into your mind? The song was We Are the World. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. And then Bob Dylan came on the screen. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's you and make a better day, just you and me. Now the way he sang it, everyone was like, what is he saying? After that, song came out, and I never knew this before, after the video was made, Bob Dylan, who we could think of him as a modern-day prophet, could we not, to his generation, said to the press, I was very uncomfortable singing that song. And somebody had the courage to say, why? Why were you so uncomfortable? I mean, like, this is, it's, I mean, it was going around the world, right? Like, why are you uncomfortable? Here's what he said. I'll tell you why. Because man cannot save himself. How about this generation? The generation of the empires of Marvel and DC, who with their superhero movies have raked in over 43 billion, that's a B, 43 billion dollars. Why is that? Why are people flocking to theaters, handing over their money to get swept up in the stories of Marvel and DC. When asked that question, Ben Affleck, DC's current Batman, well, or one of them, I I lose track of how many Batmans there are, so. He said, I think the reason is psychological even spiritual. People are flocking because we are in need of heroes. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world from natural to man-made disasters and it's really scary. Part of the appeal of this genre is wish fulfillment, this longing, this ache. Wouldn't it be nice, says Affleck, if there was somebody who could actually save us from all of this, save us from ourselves, save us from the consequences of our actions, and save us from the people who are evil. Huh. 
Well, Ben, there is. There is. You see, there's a problem in the world and in the people of the world, and I think we all know it. And I think we also know, because history tells us, that working hard ourselves will not bring about the saving of ourselves. It will not erase the vandalizing of Shalom. It will not heal the fracturing of Irene. And it will not undo the shattering of peace. So what will? Well, for that we need a story. (laughs) And not one from Marvel or DC. But the one which tells of the true hero. Foretold by true prophets whose mouths were filled by God himself. Like the prophet Isaiah who told the story of a future king, a Messiah, who would bring the shalom that the world was in Isaiah's time and is right now, right now, the shalom that we are aching for. Dustin read it to us earlier. A child will be born for us. That's amazing. For us. And the Son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of what? Peace. Prince of Shalom. His dominion will be vast. (laughs) It won't be some little provincial bounded by country borders dominion. It will be vast. And its prosperity will never end. Rome fell, America will probably fall. Nations come and go. The prosperity of this dominion will never end, will never fall, will never cease. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness? Is there not a cry in our culture for justice and righteousness? And where will it come from? Jesus! Merry Christmas! And it will happen from now on and forever. So the question is, are you listening? Shema, here. His reign will bring a shalom, an erene, a peace with no end when God through his Messiah will make everything that had gone wrong right again when he will heal all that had been broken. And if we keep listening to the story, I'm just taking you through the story of the Bible, remembering, see, that that's what we have to do. We go all the way to the beginning, we, we hear from the prophets, And now we're going to see the connections of what God was up to with this hero that had been foretold by Isaiah that would bring a dominion of peace 
The next step of restoration comes in what we call the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Look in your Bibles with me. Verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields and they were keeping watch at night over their flock. An angel of Yahweh stood before them and the glory of Yahweh shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. For look, I bring to you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. And I wonder if that, in that moment right there, they thought of Isaiah. The Jewish shepherds, boys that had grown up, hearing the stories, hearing the prophecies, hearing of this one that would come and sit and reign on the throne of David. Today, in the city of David, a Savior is born for you, for us. Who is the Messiah, the King. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, millions and millions of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. Are you listening? Do you hear it? The promise being fulfilled in this moment, in the story, in history. This happened. (laughs) It happened. It's real. The promise fulfilled the path to shalom, irradiating, and peace made possible. Do you remember where we began this morning long ago? God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be called the Prince of Shalom, and his reign will bring shalom with no end. This is such good news. Into a world filled with so much brokenness and conflict. So many natural and man-made disasters. So many unmet expectations for wholeness and restoration and completeness to happen in our lives. So many broken promises that that could be possible and would be so. Into that mess, God speaks. And he doesn't just speak. He shouts through millions of angels. He speaks into all these echoes of shalom that create within us this sense of an unmet expectation yet waiting to be fulfilled of universal and cosmic flourishing. He speaks into all this stain of our sin, our actions and failures, tangible signs, right? They're there of our unpresentableness, our unfitness, our brokenness and incompleteness, all of it flowing to make us separated from from God, the maker of heaven and earth. And God declares, I have come. I have taken the initiative because you cannot save yourself. He, therefore, has done it for us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Sing it with me. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell. 
Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Shema. Are you listening? Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, this is the blessing of the age that you live in. He has spoken to us through his son. Friends, there, there is in the Bible this letter from the Apostle Paul to the, to the church in Colossae. And in that letter, we have what we believe is probably a hymn about Jesus, the Messiah. It would make a great Christmas song if someone would turn it into a Christmas song. It is a remarkable hymn. And I want to read it to you now in a paraphrase of this God speak that we see in Colossians 1, 15 to 21. Close your eyes if you have to to focus and not be distracted. Listen to what Paul says. We look at this son, Jesus, and what we see is the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and we see God's original purpose in absolutely everything he created for everything. Everything that we heard about right at the beginning of the story, all of those things, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels even, everything got created through Jesus, and it finds its purpose in Jesus. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right at this moment. Jesus was supreme in the beginning, and leading the resurrection parade, Jesus is supreme in the end. You see, from beginning to end, Jesus is there. He towers above everything and everyone For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in the Messiah. Not only that, listen to this, listen to what Paul says, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, shalom, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. And you, yourselves, are a case study of what he does. <laughs> wow. You are a case study. Each of you, look at each other. You're a case study of what he does. Still reading, Paul. At one time, you all had your backs. You did. At one time in your life, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance that you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, the Messiah brought you over to God's side. And listen to this. He put your lives together. (sighs) He made you whole. And He made you holy. 
and he puts you in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the good news, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other good news. Oh, family, we need to hear that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, economics, politics, all other ground is sinking sand. There is no safer place than the Messiah. Friends, do you see how important this is to Christmas? The way for you to really celebrate Christmas is not it's not just to have, okay, it's both and, okay? We're a both and people at Grace. We're not an either or people, all right? It's both and. So it's not just by listening to the same music you've always listened to, lighting the same candles, drinking the eggnog, eating the Christmas cookies, opening the gifts. It's not just that. What you really have to do is think of glad tidings and declarations in the midst of all of that. Both and. That angels declared something. That God spoke. Ask each other when you're sitting in the circle, are we listening? Are we listening to the story? Are we remembering and recollecting? Worship team, would you come up? So think about the glad tidings. Think about this message of of shalom and peace. Let the glory of Christmas take hold of you because it emanates from the truth of Jesus who is our shalom. He came to make peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. And in so doing, he restored wholeness to the broken relationships between humans and their creator. Jesus himself is our peace. He was the whole and complete human that we have failed to be. But he now gives us his life as a gift (laughs) so that we can be whole and complete humans in him. And all you need to do to receive this gift is come with the empty hands of faith. That's it. If you see brokenness in your life, if you see darkness in your life, all you need to do is turn to the Word became flesh who dwelt among us, who is the life and light of men. And just believe. Just take that first little step towards Jesus. You could do that today. Or if you've been believing in him and you came in here messed up and broken, take another small step. Let's pray. Our Father, as since in a minute we're going to sing peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, I'm asking right now that you would help us to know, believe, 
and truly rejoice in the words that we are singing. Yes, and very amen in Jesus' peace-restoring name.